1: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Bron- 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 Broncos. Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver.
0: All right, everybody. Welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver, hosted by myself, George Stoya, and my good friend Nick Ferguson. Nick, how's it going, man? It's it is.
1: Out. It, it is it's going well. Uh, I am. I'm warm. Can I say yes. that? I I am definitely uh, warm. Wouldn't want to be outside in this type of weather. But I'm good, brother. I'm good.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's snowing. I feel like this time last year we did not get this much snow. It feels like it's already snowed, you know, three or four times in November, which is. Um, I don't know. I guess I haven't lived here that long, but I don't remember it snowing this much last year in November. Uh, but uh, but but it's good. It's it's a little cold, uh, but uh, lots to talk about, Nick, with the Broncos. I know we covered a lot of bases yesterday, uh, you know, talking about the game and and all that went wrong in that and, and kind of the the culture and, and future of this team. And, and so we, let's start today, Nick. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett is still the coach of the Broncos, uh, and he could be the, bro- the coach of the Broncos, you know, for the rest of the season, maybe even past the season, right? I know some people don't believe that, uh, that, that maybe they they go in a different direction. But let's talk about, Nick, if, if you were to have the ideal coach for the Broncos, what would that coach look like? I'm not asking you to n- start naming guys. Maybe you have somebody in mind. Uh, I'm not telling you not to name somebody. But well, what does that – what does that maybe that coach – look like for the Denver Broncos, the ideal coach um, in Denver?
1: Well, first and foremost, uh, George, the ideal coach for the Denver Broncos is is someone who has to come in here. uh, And once again, we we still don't know what the situation is, but we're just going to play this game for now. Someone that could really motivate his players. Now I'm not saying that Nathaniel Hackett's uh, approach to uh, who he is as a person was a huge problem for the Broncos because if you sit down and you talk to Nathaniel Hackett, man, I mean, this is definitely a guy that you would want to sit down and break bread with because he just that personable. But once again, it's about motivating players and lighting a, a, a torch a blowtorch, under their behinds to kind of get them going. So you want a coach that can come in and do that, but also a coach that has a, a great resume and he knows both offense and defense. Now that's not saying that you have to go back and get an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator to be the head coach, but but someone who knows in game uh, strategy and they, they know how to clock management, all those types of things. And for me, it's always about having a coach that can coach his coaches. I'm not, I don't mean scream and yell at your coaches, which we see, a, we see a lot of that happening, George, but someone who could come in and, and coach uh, their coaches. Now, uh, th- there are some names that have been floated out there. I'll toss them out to you, and you you tell me uh, wh- what you think. So here's a couple guys that uh, are on this list. Leslie Frazier, defensive coordinator with the Buffalo Bills. He's had that defense playing well all season. They lost Von Miller, I don't know for how long, but for the most part, he's had that defense playing well and has helped out Josh Allen. The next guy is a guy that was interviewed last year but didn't get the job, Dan Quinn. So we know what his capabilities are. And I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall to see what he said in his meeting that didn't uh, force the Broncos to sign him the first time around. Next guy, young guy, you know, uh, but still has his team playing inspiring football, San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans. I don't know what he's doing with that defense, but he's got those guys uh, playing lights out. They date, and here's the great thing about what San Francisco is doing. They lose a couple of guys, and they plug and insert other guys, and they never uh, miss a beat. So those are three guys. If you notice, all three of those guys are all defensive coordinators. So i ask you, I mean, we typically see this happens in the, in the NFL. If there's an OC the previous year and they don't do well, then that team goes out and say, well, you know what? Maybe we need to go get a defensive-minded coach. Is that what the Broncos should do in your opinion?
0: Here's here's my take, Nick. I don't think it matters if it's a defensive or offensive coordinator or defensive-offensive mind at head coach. I think they need to hire someone. And, again, we don't know if they're going to hire anybody. And and to be fair, maybe Nathaniel Hackett turns this things, this thing around and he becomes the coach that we think they need to have. But for me, if, if they're going through a coaching search, it needs to be somebody that has head coaching experience, Nick, somebody that's done this before. Uh, and you mentioned Leslie Frazier and, and uh, Dan Quinn. Both those guys have been head coaches before, and they they did a, a good job as head coaches. You know, Dan Quinn obviously went all the way to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, famously they blew the 28-3 to 3 lead to the Patriots. But, you know, he was a really good coach in Atlanta for a long time, won a lot of football games, uh, obviously has the Cowboys playing some of the best defensive football in the league. So you bring in a, a guy like Dan Quinn, right? you already have a lot of the defensive pieces. So you would think automatically, okay, the defense is still going to be good. Then it, then you're talking Nick, who's he going to hire as his offensive coordinator? Who can he have come in, take over that offense uh, and have Russell Wilson playing good football? And I think Dan Quinn is the type of guy too that we saw in Atlanta. He got the most out of Matt Ryan, right? Matt Ryan's best years in Atlanta uh, were with Dan Quinn as the head coach. and And I know he had, you know, several different guys in there as offensive coordinator. I believe it wasn't Kyle Shanahan, the offensive coordinator there for a little bit. So absolutely he's shown Dan Quinn has shown to hire the right guys uh, to get the most out of his offense. So that's who I really like, you know, last year you mentioned he interviewed for the job. Uh, You know, I I think that he was definitely a a finalist, right? I I believe it was him, Kevin O'Connell, who's now the Vikings head coach and has done a great job there in Minnesota. And obviously Nathaniel Hackett, it was those three. And I think that, you know, uh, Peyton, George Peyton, ended up going with Hackett because he felt like, okay, last couple years, the last two times they went with a defensive guy, it didn't work out. uh, Old school defensive kind of coach, which is kind of Dan Quinn. And, you know, we got to go in a different direction, think offense, try and score some points. They whiffed, right? Or at least it looks like they whiffed. So now I think you got to go back and say, okay, Let's get somebody who has experience. I don't really I don't really care Nick if they're offensive or defensive, but somebody who's knowledgeable at, at the game, has been around it for a while, and is a guy that, you know, Dan Quinn is is a players coach, but he's also a little bit of a hard ass Nick from what I understand. So I think you need that sort of mix, right? You need somebody that is a guy that can can love you up like Nathaniel Hackett does, but also can be like, "Hey man, we need more from you." And I don't know it, if Hackett's Hackett's bringing that right now. Maybe he is now, but he definitely wasn't earlier in the season.
1: Well, I've had the pleasure to be around uh, Dan Quinn uh, when he was with uh, the Seattle Seahawks as their defensive coordinator. This is when Gus Bradley went to Jacksonville, and you're right, you know, and that he has the ability to kind of relate to his players, and that's the biggest thing when we talk about, Coach, especially the college level, but more importantly, on the NFL level. Can you relate? to your players. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to hire a, a young coach because what we're seeing that some of the, the old school coaches let's put it that way have uh, been pushed out because, Hey, you can't relate to the guys. You either get off my lawn type of guy. It's like, no, you, if you, you have to be able to talk to them, not just about the X's and O's, but you have to show that you're concerned about their life. Now this is where Nathaniel Hackett has definitely excelled as being a coach who cares about his players off the field the only part is the ability to motivate his players to go out and play and during a tough time and then also scheme as well now there's another guy who's on the Broncos roster who did interview once again for the head coaching job and just as of late was giving the play calling duties and that's Clint Kubiak do you think in this scenario we continue to play this game if the Broncos decided to move away from Nathaniel Hackett and it's one of these other coaches that I name, or some other coach comes in. Do you think the Broncos keep Clint Kubiak on as the offensive coordinator? Because here's a guy who would have gone well if you if you keep him on, retain him. He's going into his second year working side by side with Russell Wilson, knowing exactly what his quarterback really needs.
0: Yeah, it's a good question, Nick. Uh, it would be an easy transition, right, in terms of keeping a guy that, that's obviously going to call you know the plays for the final. You know, however many games now. Um, and, and he's a guy that, you, like you said, knows Russell. I don't know how familiar it, it would depend on who they hire, right? Like, I, yeah. if they, let's say they hire Dan Quinn, like, how familiar is Dan Quinn with Clint Kubiak? I have no idea. Well, uh,
1: wait, I, I mean, we, we just agree, though. When Matt Ryan had his best season and Dan Quinn went to the Super Bowl, who was his OC? Kyle Shanahan. I'm not saying that Clint Kubiak is Kyle Shanahan, but think about the system that they ran during that time. And I, look, Listen, we only have a small sample size of Clint Kubiak's work, so we don't really know if uh, he's really getting all of his input and running the system that he wants to run. So if Dan Quinn, let's just say for the sake of argument, he is named the new Broncos head coach next year, I think it would be smart for him to retain uh, Clint Kubiak as the OC because of what took place with the Falcons a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I think it's a it's a good idea. I just don't know. I just don't know, uh, you know, what they would want to do there. And and again, maybe Dan Quinn already knows who he wants. Nick, here's my question though about this whole this whole thing. Do you think that this job is maybe less attractive than maybe what it was a year ago because of the way the Broncos have been playing, the way Russell Wilson has been playing? That's my only concern. Is you know, can you convince I, I, I mean, I know you can get somebody here, obviously, but there might be more attractive jobs out there this offseason. I mean, if the Chargers uh, move on from Brandon Staley, you know, that would be a really attractive job. Young quarterback, things like that. Um, you know, there, there's a couple others out there that have been mentioned. I don't know. But do, do you worry about this job maybe being less attractive?
1: No, I, I don't. I know that's kind of the, the idea that Broncos have. Uh, underperformed for the past couple of years. In addition to Russell Wilson, everyone, you know, had high expectations, but they haven't lived up to those expectations, but no. And here's why, I mean, you look at the, the Broncos, they got, they have new ownership, right? They have ownership with deep pockets who want to really change this organization back to what it was under Mr. B was bring back that standard. So this still is a very popular job in the NFL. We're not talking about Cleveland. Okay, let's be totally honest. We're not talking about Cleveland. This team has a a reputation. They played in playoff games. They've had Super Bowl appearances. And then you know that, hey, you do have your franchise quarterback in Russell Wilson. Is everything on him? No, maybe not so much. Uh, Is is there some fault of, of Russell? Sure. But you bring in the right signal caller, the right system. Now you can start to change some things as well. And then you look at the roster, it is a young roster. We don't we're not talking about this roster, George, being an agent roster. So you figure as though you get the right coach, the right coach and staff, the right system, they come in here, they can quickly turn around this organization because they don't have to go out and find a quarterback. It is the fact is it's just the idea of looking at your offensive line, trying to plug those gaps, bring in some veteran leadership, and then you, you never know what happens in 2023. So regardless of what people think that this this is a job that no one wants this is this is still a job that you want because guess what it's the Denver freaking Broncos come on I, I I understand that Nick but I think there's a lot of
0: people concerned that uh you know Russell Wilson is under contract for as long as he is and he's obviously not playing up to expectations so hey I, I mean look, I think he'll eventually bounce back, but I think in the back of your head, you still got to have a little bit of that concern to say, well, you know, do I want a job where I'm tied to Russell Wilson for that long? I don't know. Uh, I would still say that obviously it's better than jobs like the Texans, right? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, in, unless you, unless you want a rookie quarterback cause that's probably what they'll have next year. Right. But so I don't know. It, it's tough to say. One thing I want to ask you though, Nick, before, before we take a break, do you think they can get Sean Payton? Do you think Sean Payton, could be the next Broncos head coach.
1: Absolutely. And once again, it boils down to if Sean Payton wants the job. Because here's the biggest thing, right? Every single year in the draft, we have quarterback talk. And everyone is talking about you drafting young quarterback. Look at what Rob Asala is going through with the Jets, right? They, they, Zach Wilson was their guy. You know, they're not going to turn. They're not going to trade out of position. He's their guy. But they benched him last week, right? So when you look at what jobs you want to take over, you look at the money situation, you look at contracts, right? Then you look at the most important thing, who's your quarterback? You don't want to take over a team that has a young, inexperienced quarterback. And I know Russell hasn't looked like himself, but we can break down as to why he hasn't looked like himself. And Coach Sean Payton is used to dealing with quarterbacks like this. Now, Russell's not a big six-four. 230 quarterback I mean when you look at Russell this I, I look at a guy like drew Brees and drew Brees wasn't really mobile but he had an arm so Russell has an arm but it's just play design and protection up front that hasn't really accentuated his skill set so a guy like Sean Payton would come in here and definitely change things if that's the direction that the Broncos want to go in
0: well and that would be a home run higher uh I mean if they got somebody like Sean Payton who's you know, considered one of the greatest coaches in recent history, uh, and what he was able to do with the Saints, I think it would be an amazing hire. Uh, obviously, very well connected across the league, he could probably get whoever he wants. Uh, you know, to come, you know, call plays, offensive and defensively. So he would be he would be a really good hire. Who knows? I mean, he's doing TV now, I believe. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he if he wants to to leave that job. And again, there's going to be other jobs open. Um, and you know, he I would assume someone like him would have the pick. Uh, you know he, he'd be able to pick wherever he wants to go um so we'll see uh but for now nick nathaniel hackett's still the head coach uh at least for now we'll see uh i, I could still see him coming back next year who knows um i have no idea what this ownership group's going to do but nick we got to take a break and then let's dive into to some more stuff about this team uh and the direction they're headed with six weeks left
1: Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya.
0: All right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. Uh, and Nick, let's dive into uh, some the, a guy on this side of the ball, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, that I think is actually playing pretty well. Um, and that's running back Latavius Murray. Uh, and we wanted to talk about him because you know he had the 52-yard run um, you know, we really haven't seen, I, I, w- I want to say the the previous largest run this season from a running back was 13 yards, something like that before that run. So what's impressed you about Latavius? Uh, it seems like he's running well. The ground game is still not great. Right. Um, in terms of consistency, I feel like like it, it's, you know, sometimes it's one, two yards here and then maybe you get a big one. But uh, w- what's impressed you about Latavius? Uh, especially considering he's a guy that's only been on the on the team now for a few weeks.
1: Well, that's just it, George. He, he's only been on the team for uh, a couple of weeks, but he brings that uh, physical mentality, that type of uh, football that we were hoping to see from this Broncos uh, offensive line in the run game all season long. And the big thing, and and the, the big, I guess, the big thing for me is the fact that he's a downhill runner, right? You know, you look at the fifty-two yard run. Uh, he, he still has some uh, gas in the tank, but obviously, once he get into the second level, uh, he was caught. And but but that just kind of show you like where he is in his career. But he is still one hell of uh, a running back. So much so that the Broncos decided to part ways with Melvin Gordon. I know the fumbles was definitely a reason as to why they decided to do this. But yeah, I mean, guy like Latavius Murray gives the Broncos somewhat of a physical type of presence. And, and you talk about the uh, the offensive line in the run game. If, if the offensive line can create some creases for him here and there, there's a possibility we can see some more runs like this down the stretch. But for me, I would like to get Latavius Murray like outside on the perimeter. And the reason being is that if you look around the league with any other running back, to me, that's more favorable because guess what? There's less guys outside than there is inside. And if you're going to run those inside runs, your blocking has to be precise. We're talking about double team combo blocks, getting up to that second level and making sure you sealed off that linebacker to create a hole. But because if you're asking running backs constantly to run into a brick wall, that's going to be really tough. But I've definitely been impressed with uh, Latavius Murray thus far.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that's impressive about him is he's obviously been in the league a long time, Nick. Uh, played on several different teams, and he seems to be efficient no matter where he goes. Uh, and, and so, and he, he's an older guy. I mean, he he's not a guy that I think you can hand the ball off, you know, 25 times in a game, right? He had 13 carries, 93 yards uh, this last game. That's probably right around the right range, right? Somewhere between 12 mm-hmm. to 15 carries a game. Uh, and so you can kind of lean on him, but uh, he's just a guy that again he, he falls forward a lot, right? Uh, Even when there's not a whole lot of yards there, he falls forward. and gets two more yards. He's a big dude, like standing next to him in the locker room. (laughs) I thought Melvin Gordon was a big running back. Like Latavius Murray is, is a big guy. Uh, And so I think he's really physical. And so I think he's brought something to that run game that maybe they can lean on a little bit more, especially considering the offense struggles to move the ball. Um, You know, just, just hand it off to Latavius every once in a while and, and he might get you something. So but it's an interesting room right now, Nick. You know they just uh, they just dropped uh, Devine Ozigbo, who was on the practice squad for a few weeks. It sounds like Mike Boone might be back this week. Uh, at least they're going to start his clock in terms of coming off the injured reserve. Uh, you have Tyreek McAllister, who I believe was on. He was in training camp, got wow. hurt, and now he's back uh, on the practice squad. And then uh, who am I missing? I miss Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack, you know, we finally got to see him play this last week. Um, Did a nice, you know, did a couple nice things here and there. I'm sure he'll still continue to be the backup guy. It's interesting. All these guys are practice squad guys. But, Nick, the one guy that you mentioned that is no longer with the team, he's now with the Chiefs, Mr. Melvin Gordon. What was your reaction to that? Uh, Gordon going to AFC West rival Kansas City Chiefs and Super Bowl, probably the Super Bowl favorites right now. I mean, this guy could go from – being on uh, the Broncos who obviously are, you know, bottom five in the league right now uh, to, you know, possibly competing for a Super Bowl.
1: Well, two things came to mind. Uh, First and foremost, it was like, you know, good for him. I know he had a rough couple of games here and his departure wasn't as smooth as uh, he would have liked it. So I'm always happy for guys to have the ability to continue their career. And the other thing is, listen, I know the Chiefs should not fear the Broncos based on the way the season has gone so far. But I know teams play a lot of these games. Hey, if there's a guy who's previously on a team's roster that we're going to play in two weeks, bring that guy in and see what kind of information that we can get uh, from him. So those are the first two things that I thought about when Melvin, uh, it was announced that Melvin had signed uh, with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. And, And just think about it. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is expected to be out for three more games. So right now it's uh, insurance policy for Melvin Gordon. He's probably going to be behind Jet McKinnon. And, and who knows? They may never bring him up from the practice squad, but for him, he was really happy and ecstatic that, guess what? I'm on a team and I get an opportunity to uh, continue my career, but more importantly, he collects another check.
0: Yeah, I mean, my reaction, Nick, is they played in two weeks. And the the Kansas City Chiefs running back room uh, in two weeks, I think will look very similar to what it does now. And like you said, they're a little banged up there. And uh, here's my prediction, Nick. Not only is he going to play against the Broncos in Uh-oh. two weeks, <laughs> I think he's going to score a touchdown.
1: No, and
0: I think I think it's going to be a touchdown. Maybe even maybe it's in garbage time or whatever, but it's going to be uh, a touchdown in that game. Uh, and I think the Chiefs are going to win pretty handily. And that crowd um, is going to have one heck of a reaction. I, I think it'll be <laughs> booze. I think uh, it's going to be interesting, too, because I don't know how many people will be there. Like, I think the crowd could be pretty sparse. I think there could also be a lot of Chiefs fans that make that trip. Um, I, I wouldn't say take over in Field because Broncos fans would never let that happen. But I think there'll be yeah, quite yeah, a few Chiefs well, there.
1: Sorry, George. Hate to cut you off. But I have to say that's not always true. Really? And yes, because I remember the 5 season. We played the Pittsburgh Steelers for the right to go to Super Bowl, and here it is. I was expecting to see a packed house full of orange and blue, but boy, was I wrong. I saw a lot of silver and black. So I, I, I wouldn't hang my hat on that at the end of the day.
0: I will say, though, the Steelers are known across the league to have the best traveling fans. And I will say the Broncos are very good, too. I, I tweeted this out before the Panthers game. It shocks me how many Broncos fans make all these games. Not because it's hard to travel to games, obviously it's expensive and, and things like that, but also just because how bad they've been. Like I, I just I can't imagine these people spending all that money to go watch this team. But um, I say that I've, I've been I've been at every game. Uh, but uh, <laughs> um, but back to Gordon. I just it seems it seems like destiny, Nick, that this guy is he's either it's this is what's going to happen Nick. He's either going to come back to Denver and he's going to score a touchdown and he's going to wave to the crowd, have some sort of celebration, people are going to boo him and he's going to have the greatest time of his life. Or Nick, he's going to fumble the ball <laughs> and that place is going to lose their mind if that happens. So, uh it's going to be interesting. Good for him like you said, I, I you know, I'm not surprised somebody picked him up, right? Um you know, he's a guy that can contribute He's played in the league a long time, won't have trouble picking up the offense. I'm sure he can contribute for them pretty quickly. Uh, I don't know how much they'll use him, uh, but also knowing the Chiefs, they find a way to get the most out of all these guys, right on offense. So I, I'm sure that he'll do some. He'll have some crazy great game, uh, and he could even help them in the playoffs, right? You need guys when you get to the playoffs. You need guys uh, that can come in and, and play different spots, especially at running back, where guys are getting injured all the time. So. It's going to be really interesting, Nick. I, I'm, I'm I, All I know is I am pumped uh, for that game now in two weeks because I think it's going to be one heck of a storyline if he's playing in that game.
1: But see, George, that's the reason why. I, I know you said that, hey, listen, uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs expected to come in here in, in the next two weeks and the Broncos are not performing well, and that could be a, a high-scoring game for Kansas City Chiefs, this is why fans will come they want, will want to do the same thing that you want to see. You want to see what's going to happen. And if it ends up where he's fumbling the ball, you get a chance to boo him even more while he walks out of the door with a division rival. So, yeah, th- this is a way, and I don't think the Broncos are going to really uh, kind of promote the game in that way to try to get fans to come. Hey, come in so you can have one final opportunity to boo Melvin Gordon before the season is over. But just the idea of being able to do it Guess what? It's enticing, right? You don't have anything else to show up for the game because you're thinking that, hey, well, the Broncos are not going to beat Kansas City anyway. So let's go out and let's get family together and friends and we boo Melvin Gordon. Listen, you I, I, I even think, and I'll go as far as say this you might be in a booth, kind of quietly looking around, booing Melvin Gordon yourself. There's a possibility of that, Joe. Me? Yes. Why would I do that? I like Melvin. well, well, you know how you are sometimes, you know, you, so you kind of wishy-washy, right? So you just may do it just to say, you know what? I was part of the crowd that booed him that one time. And then I just turned around and looked around and said, you know what? Now I'm good. I got it out of the way.
0: No, I won't be booing Melvin, but I do think there'll be a lot of other people booing Melvin. (laughs) I think, I think that place is going to be crazy uh, if he gets the ball. So uh, it's, it's going to be fun, Nick. Are you surprised it was the chiefs uh, of all the places? I mean, He's now played – I was thinking about this. Yeah, obviously played for the Chargers, played for the Broncos. Now the Chiefs, all he's got to do now is sign with the Raiders this (laughs) offseason. He he hit all four AFC West teams.
1: Uh, Isn't that that something like uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick did that? Yeah. As far as uh, uh, the AFC East. Uh, Listen, once again, it's great that a player who's had his struggles still have an opportunity to uh, revitalize his career, if I can say that. But uh, I thought it was interesting that he signed with Kansas City, and I could see a scenario playing out where the lead is so large that they say, you know what? Hey, Andy Reid, say put him in there, and let's see what happens. Just another way to stick it to the Broncos.
0: I think that's a hundred percent going to happen, Nick. I think I think it's no. There's no question that that's what's going to happen. I, I did want to bring you back, bring back to another point though, because I, I didn't really necessarily think about this originally, but you brought it up, and now I'm thinking about it. And this doesn't just go for Melvin, but you see it all the time with guys who get released. They then get signed by the team that maybe is going to play them in a, in a week or two. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, does that does that? I mean, you, you're a guy that, that's playing in this league. Does that happen? And how much of an advantage is that? Like like Melvin going there and saying, hey, this is what they're going to do on offense. I can tell you these plays, these things. Does that does that happen often? And how much of an, of an advantage is that actually for for like a team like the Chiefs?
1: Yeah, it happens, man. This is the business of football. And the business of football, you're trying to win at all costs. You're gonna turn over every single stone, even if it feels as though your your coaching staff, your roster, uh, your quarterback is better than your opponent. What's a couple of more nuggets here and there? So you can just kind of really shove their face into the ground. So, yeah, it does it does happen because I've been on teams where they would bring a guy in, you know, maybe get ask him some questions, he's on a roster for the game that they're going to play against that former team. And then two weeks later, boom, he's gone. Right. And like, Hey, what, what just happened? I I thought you guys were bringing this guy in to give him an opportunity. Yeah. We we brought him in to give him an opportunity to give us all the nuggets and information that we can get out of him. And once again, everyone is trying to win. Now is some of that information uh, usable? Some of it is because maybe that player may not recall every single thing, well, you sit down with that player and you, Hey, you know, through conversation, you know, uh, what was it like playing for that team? What did they like to do? Tell us about this particular player. So even though you may not get information on the scheme itself, you get information about the players and then you could turn that information into play calling that either helps your special teams, offensive defense. So it is something that's uh, definitely part of the game. That's why I'm not too surprised uh, about Melbourne signing with the Chiefs because, he gets a chance to kind of stick it to the Broncos twice. And for a guy that left the way that he did, oh, yes, he's going to be loving every minute of it.
0: Well, I will say this, Nick. I'm not so sure that the Chiefs need to know the Broncos' offensive secrets to stop them uh, the way that they're playing right now. So, I I mean, I get it, and I think that he'll probably help them a little bit here and there, but – in terms of the outcome of the game, I I doubt it'll have a huge effect, but any advantage you can get, right? Uh, I I think it's a smart move. So definitely going to be interesting, Nick. Um, You know, I I really want to see how he does there Uh, and who knows, I mean, they play him twice more, right? So I I don't think it's just a, I think he'll be there the rest of the season just because again, they're banged up at that position. I would assume he's a guy that that can, that can help them the rest of the way. So definitely going to be interesting uh, to see how that plays out. Again, Melvin Gordon, what a story! Uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be awesome in two weeks. You know, it makes that game a lot more interesting, a lot more fun. So Nick, we got to take a break, uh, and then let's dive into a couple more things in our, in our last segment. Uh, I know you want to talk a little bit about the defense uh, and kind of the struggles that they had. We didn't really get to that the other day talking about the game uh, and kind of where they can fix some of those things in these final six games. So let's take a break and then we'll dive into that stuff.
1: Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya.
0: Welcome you back from that quick break. Uh, and Nick, we, we talked a lot about, obviously, Hackett, his future, uh, the offense, Melvin Gordon, that storyline, uh, all that stuff. We have not talked a lot about the defense. And Nick, they struggled the other day. In fact, it was I thought it was one of their maybe they're one of their worst performances they've had this season uh, against the Panthers, mostly because – not because they were just bad, right? Like I thought they played probably well enough to win the game, Um, you know, if you had an offense that could score. Uh, But, you know, in terms of who they were playing, it was a little uh, head-scratching the way that the Panthers were able to move the ball the other day, Uh, secondary giving up some big plays. But really, Nick, my biggest concern – and we talked about it, however – what was that, a week ago or so – uh, the pass rush, uh, it just seems to not be, be there as much as it was earlier in the season. And obviously, when you trade away Bradley Chubb, uh, you have Randy Gregory, who's on the IR. Um, that's going to happen, right? But mm-hmm. how, what's your concern level with this defense and, and specifically uh, those guys on the edge and, and getting to the quarterback?
1: I, I'm, I'm a little concerned. Last week when we talked about this, I wasn't as uh, concerned when I went back and looked at the numbers and what's happened over a four-game span. It it is definitely uh, concerning because, you know, this team lost Bradley Chubb, and I understand why George Baton traded Bradley Chubb, and it was ideas at the depth on this team. And I know there's still a lot of young guys still trying to kind of come into form and be collective or as far as a collective group, as far as pass rushers are concerned, but it hasn't really worked out. Uh, as well as uh, maybe I thought and maybe George Payton uh, has thought as well, because they, they've created a lot of pressure. They get around the quarterback, but George, they're not really harassing the quarterback in the way that they were starting at the very beginning of the season. So obviously I got some numbers here. Let's go back to the Carolina game. Uh, two hits on the quarterback, zero sacks. Uh, go to uh, the Raiders game, four quarterback hits, one sack. Tennessee, four quarterback hits. One sack, Jacksonville. Two quarterback hits, two sacks. And the what? What I look at is that this defense was playing well when they was giving this offense a lot of opportunities, but as of late, not so much. And when you get Russell Wilson in a four game uh, total, forty six times he's been hit, fifteen times he's been sacked. And I know that the the next thing that fans will toss out, well, the defense is tired. Well, guess what? When you're on the field, you have to perform your job. And what we're seeing that teams are doing now, they're just deciding to play bully ball and run the ball down their throats. So maybe it is, these numbers may be skewed just a little because teams are opting to run the ball and they have been so successful that the defense is not getting enough stops to even put them in passing situations where they can get after the quarterback. Whatever it is, they need to change these numbers if they expect, to kind of win or be in any of these last six games
0: yeah and and you know the guys on the edge you look obviously they're super young there right you've got baron browning only in his second year his first year playing that position uh you know jonathan cooper in his second year uh nick benito rookie you know you got jacob martin uh who's been around but you know hasn't played a ton at times so uh you're really young at that spot you'd really like to get randy gregory back but Sounds like he's still, you know, a week or so away from returning. And at this point, Nick, I mean, do you really want to push it with him, right? Like, what do you, what exactly are you playing for? So I don't know when Randy will be back. Like, you don't want to push that injury any further than it already is, right? I mean, he's a guy that you've invested in for the future. So if we, I wouldn't even be shocked if we don't see him the rest of the year. Um, but, you know, you've got to have some of those guys start to step up. I mean, Draymond Jones was having such a good year, and he still is. Uh, but you want to see you want to see him get back there again. I think teams are kind of scheming to, to double team him, uh, those sorts of things. But we just haven't seen the pass rush And that, Nick, as you know, when you can't get to the quarterback, that leads to coverage breakdowns, right? Because all of a sudden, when you've got guys that have to cover somebody, you know, like a DJ Moore this last week for more than, you know, three, four seconds, that's really tough to do, right? Because the play breaks down, he makes a move, whatever, uh, down the field. And we saw him, you know, beat. Pat Sertan a couple of times. And I know people are like, ah, oh, Sertan's had, you know, a couple bad games, but also it's not all on Sertan, right? Like you can only ask a corner to cover a guy for so long. It's hard, right? It's I mean, I think quarterback is arguably the hardest job, a hardest position in football, maybe other than quarterback. And, it, it, you know, again, you've got to be able to put some pressure on, on guys like Sam Darnold to make them make some mistakes. And this week, Nick is the ultimate test. When you talk about Lamar Jackson, we'll talk about that later in the week, but you've got to be able to get after him uh, or else he'll, he'll kill you with his arm or his legs. So um, I don't know, Nick, it's, it's an issue, but I wanted to ask you about like some of those young guys, are you concerned at all about, you know, Baron Brown? And we've seen flashes from him, right? I think he's still a little banged up is part of the issue, right? These last couple of weeks, we haven't seen him maybe be as explosive. I, I You know, I'm also maybe getting a little concerned about Nick Benito, uh, but again, he's still a rookie. So you kind of have to be patient, but, Are you concerned about any of these younger guys and and just the lack of production they've had in the last few weeks?
1: It's just growth potential that really, uh, you know, is on my mind. I'm not going to say I'm really concerned with it because uh, like I said, Nick Benito, he is still learning the game. He is a guy coming out of Oklahoma who was used to just kind of running and getting upfield, getting after the quarterback. And the reason he was able to do that because Now the team is chasing points and now they have to throw the ball to get into the game. What he's facing now is teams are playing with someone of a lead. And with that being said, they already know the Broncos are going to score only a certain amount of points. I think the average is now 14 points a game. And all you know is that, Hey, listen, all we need to do is get 13 points, run the ball, kill the clock, put a lot of pressure on the defense. And Oh, by the way, since we know that pass rush is struggling, since we're running the ball, run one of those crossers, get a cheap touchdown, and then now we're up uh, two possessions or three possessions. So that's kind of been the idea of the game plan facing the Broncos and why some of these guys may have been a little limited. But when you go back and watch the game, especially the Carolina game, you can see they were starting to collapse the pocket around Sam Darnold, but it was just like maybe they needed just another second to get there. And what I'm seeing is the one-on-one blocks right? You you have to be able to beat the one-on-one box. It's one thing to get double team in this league. And don't get me wrong, George, you know, Hey, the other team gets paid too. And sometimes your best pass move may not work on that particular instance and you might get stoned. So you have to have a couple of uh, pass rushes in your bag to kind of throw out there. But what we're seeing right now, the Broncos up front, and even when they bring their linebackers down, they're not getting Uh, a pressure on the quarterbacks because they're not winning those one-on-one blocks.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, when you bring an extra rusher, right. Uh, The idea is, is not because one guy's free. Maybe sometimes you bring uh, multiple guys and and, and somebody's free, but the the idea is that, okay, if we bring an extra guy, that means, you know, Nick Benito or Baron Brown has got a one-on-one or or Draymond Jones has got a one-on-one and we believe our guy's better than your guy and he's going to get there. Right. Uh, and that just has not happened, um, you know, these last few weeks. So, going to be interesting to see how Evero maybe changes it up, tries to get some other guys going, uh, maybe bring some more pressure. I don't know, uh, but they need to get after the quarterback more. And 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 again, that leads to coverage down the field. And that that was my next question, Nick. I'm not worried about Pat Sertan. I know some people out there like they see him get beat a couple times. They're like, oh my gosh, he's having bad games. But when you're a, when you're a young guy like Pat. And you have had a couple games that, I wouldn't say they're bad games, but they're not up to his standard, obviously. I mean, we, we've talked about it, right? Um, he's, he's an unbelievable player, uh, young guy. But how do you, you know, he's had two weeks in a row now where, you know, he gets beat by Devontae Adams. Happens, right? This last week, DJ Moore, I believe, scored. Um, and I don't know if that was his fault on the touchdown. But then later in the game, gets beat on a, a deep crosser over the, over the middle of the field, um, down the sideline. Uh, you know, how do you bounce? If you're Pat Sertan, how do you bounce back from those things? And where do you think maybe his frustration level is? Because we all know he holds himself to a really high standard.
1: Well, first and foremost, man, you, you have to understand, I mean, if, if you haven't been beaten in this league or run, run over or run by, you hadn't played long enough. It is going to happen in this league. And right now, you know, fans are really upset and they're saying, well, he's not what, they advertise and they're going back to the Broncos should have drafted someone else uh, when they drafted him out of Alabama in the first round. Here's what the problem is. When you look at the past couple of games with the exception of that DJ Moore play. And, and, and listen, I have to tell you, I mean, that was a tough play. I mean, it was great coverage, but it was a, it was a great throw and catch by DJ Moore. And that's going to happen in the league. When we look at the other touchdowns and, you look at that, you know, go back to the game against the Raiders and even looking at the game on Sunday against D.J. Moore when he came from the right side to the left side. To me, what teams have already figured out, trying to play or run routes to beat press coverage with Pat Sertan, I mean, look, it's like feast of famine. It's, it's a 50, 50% chance, right? But when you run your wide receiver from one side of the field to the other side of the field and he has to have outside leverage and he's either depending on a middle field safety or the defender on the opposite side to be in that particular zone, that's not really happening. So when we really break things down, it's not the fact that PS2 is getting beaten off the line and the guy's racing past him. No, the DJ Moore play was exceptional play. The Raiders game with Devontae Adams, those two passes, you just got to think about what actually happened in those games. So I don't view it as him being burnt, a guy who finds himself at the mercy of the scheme and the mercy of guys who are playing on a defense who are relied to do their job and oftentimes are not.
0: Well, and and here's the thing about corners, right, Nick, is is that uh, they might get beat one or two times a game, and you see that everybody points to and says, oh, that guy guy got beat. But what about all the other plays that they're not throwing his way? Or I believe there was a play where he knocked a pass down uh, that would have been a first down. Uh, you know, playing cornerback is so tough, man, because like you said, the, the plays that they're that that are designed, uh, you're running across the field. Again, if your pass rush isn't getting there, it's really tough to play that spot. And then also you you receive a ton of criticism, uh, even though maybe you're you're playing a really good game because you got beat one time, right? Um yeah. and so you gotta kind of feel for a guy like Pat, but uh I you know, I think he'll be about he'll bounce back. He's Again, one of the best in the league. Did you see that he's not uh, in the top Pro Bowl voting right now, Nick? I don't know if you saw that list coming out. The, the fan voting is just like, come on. Like, what are we doing here? I mean, I don't know.
1: Well, well, listen, I know how the system works. And when you're on a team that's not performing well, I mean, fans are not going to look at you in that way. And then when you look at the past two games – and how fans have taken to Twitter to say that, hey, he's a bust, he's a bomb The typical things that fans like to say, and you alluded to it, you know, you can play a great game and it's all that last play, that one play they see and they harp on that play and that play becomes the last image that's burnt into their mind. So that, that's what we're seeing. And then when you look at some of the other corners, they at least have one interception. PS2 doesn't have an interception at, at, at all. So once again, I go back to, how this game actually works, and my mind is a little different because if you, you may have a guy that may not have no interceptions, but then you have to ask yourself, why? Are they throwing in his direction? And for the most part, with exception of the last two games, they if they threw in his direction, it was uh, batted away or it was uh, a low percentage catch. But now you get these last two games and people are saying what they're saying. So it's kind of unfortunate he's been victimized by – a team that's struggling, but he's still one hell of a corner.
0: Lastly, Nick, before we get out of here, to bring us full circle here because his name has popped up, would you hire a Jerry Evero, defensive coordinator as a head coach for the Broncos?
1: Uh, Yeah, why not? I mean, he's had – it's been the one bright spot uh, with this team, even though we just finished talking about PSU and some of the uh, defensive breakdowns, but that's been the only bright spot so far uh, this season. And, you know, even though they lost to – Uh, The Panthers and by 13 points, this defense has performed well at time overall, and they've had some breakdowns from a run standpoint. But, yeah, why not give him an opportunity to lead uh, to lead this team? But the bigger question is, once again, we started off with this and we're ending with it. No matter who you decide to be your head coach, whether you even bring back Nathaniel Hackett, it's about who is going to be your O.C. moving forward, because that's been the major problem with play calling and personnel.
0: Yeah, I agree. The offensive coordinator is obviously the bigger hire than any – is the biggest hire of all of this, right? I mean, obviously, head coach is the biggest hire, but you got to hire the right offensive coordinator. We've been saying that for years now for them. But uh, I think Evero is probably going to get other opportunities. I think he'll probably uh, – and not saying that he wouldn't take the Broncos, but uh, I think he'll probably interview for other head coaching jobs.
1: Well, uh, just re- re- really quickly, he, he may not take the job because of his loyalty – to Hackett, if Hackett is fired, he may not want to do that. He may not want to burn that particular bridge. And if he sought after by another team, he may go in that direction as well.
0: I, I agree because people forget. I mean, I believe uh, he was the best man in Nathaniel Hackett's wedding. I mean, they were college roommates. So if Hackett, I mean, he still believes in Hackett. I mean, I think a lot of the staff still believes in Hackett. Uh, so you know, I, I think that uh, it would be kind of an awkward situation if somehow Evero became the head coach, right? I don't know if he would feel comfortable with that. And again, I think he'll have other opportunities. Um, I just know that's been thrown out there. They're like, "Well, why don't they just hire that defensive coordinator? Because he's obviously knows what he's doing." Uh, but again, I think it also goes back to I think they got to hire somebody that has some sort of head coaching experience previously uh, in this league. So,
1: well, 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 that's not true because Jim Ursay just turned that on his ears by hiring Jeff Saturday. So yeah, the but, whole but, idea of having experience, no, it doesn't. But the Colts are different. The Colts are different, Nick. They didn't have their, their, their
0: previous the, – here's my argument. The Broncos have now had three straight head coaches that had never had any head coaching experience, and all three struggled at, at, at game management, at uh, handling all the duties, trying to do everything. And, and I think the Broncos now have to say, okay, we've tried this before hiring three guys that had no head coaching experience. And now I feel like they have to get somebody that has some sort of experience doing this. This isn't the Colts. Jim Irsay is a crazy man. Okay. I don't think Greg Pinner uh, and the Walton Pinner ownership group are crazy people. I think they know that they've got to go out and get somebody that has somewhat, some experience. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they go and they hire you know brian callahan the offensive coordinator for the Bengals. i know he's a hot name out there but i i just i just think they have to go with somebody that has some sort of experience or stick with hackett and i know people don't want to hear that but you know he'll have at least a year under his belt so i guess that's more experience than some other guys yeah so very we'll true see. we'll see we'll see what they do uh definitely going to be an interesting last six weeks i know in terms of all the field maybe it won't be but i feel like there's so many storylines off the field uh, that, that I, I think are, are, super intriguing with this group. And, and, you know, again, what's it going to look like these next six weeks? Are they going to give in and, and just get beat? Uh, mm-hmm. or are they going to try and, and win some of these games? Because, uh, it's not like they're trying to tank for a draft picnic. Uh, it just gets better for the Seahawks. So you might as well start winning some games, uh, even if you can't make the playoffs. So we'll see. Uh, but good episode, Nick. Uh, thanks to all the, all the listeners, uh, for liking, subscribing, and sharing the podcast. We will see you guys later this week. We're going to break down the Ravens game, uh, how to stop Lamar Jackson, if that's even possible, uh, and, and what to look for in Baltimore. But thanks again, and we'll see you guys later this week.